Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, welcome to the Balance Podcast. Uh, our guest this week, Sahib Jumo. Uh, if, you've, if you've not seen the drama, Anthony, please do watch it. It's on iPlayer. You'll be able to get it on uh, Sky as well. You know, however you watch telly, I would urge you to watch it. Anthony from Jimmy McGovern. G. Walker, the mother of the murdered teenager Anthony Walker, approached Jimmy and asked to deliver what what is a, a remarkable piece of work. This is around an hour and a half long, and it posits what would Anthony's life have been like. And I'll, I'll say no more than that. It's 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 remarkable television and a reminder as to how incredible television is when it's when it's like this stupendous it, it really is so those of you who've already seen it you'll know exactly what i'm talking about when when i say how how special it is and sahib's performance is is remarkable uh, I, I would imagine he, he, he will hopefully be hoovering up every uh, award going we also talk about uh, an upcoming co- comedy project called ted lasso that also stars a good friend of mine brett goldstein the reason why i tell you that is because uh, brett sent me some messages before the chat with Tahib, which I read out to Tahib, uh, because he's such a, a special talent. And this guy's really going places. So this this was a wonderful chat. So here he is, the uh, the wonderful Tahib Jimmer. Thanks, thanks ever so much for your time. I'm very grateful. Oh no, thanks for having me, man. Um, so so one of my I'm gonna make I'm gonna make you blush right from the start. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> no, it's okay. So one of, a very close friend of mine is uh, is Brett Goldstein. Um, and I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm going to start off by reading out some of the things he's said about you. So just prepare for your head to get. Sure, sure. Uh, so to the listener, you two start together in the upcoming uh, Ted Lasso with. Uh, yeah, so Brett, Brett, show me some of the, the bits. Uh, it, it looks it looks incredible. And, and I'm a football fan, as you can see, I've got my. Uh, it's like I've dressed for this interview. Very <laughs> mind the subject matter. Got my Milan shirt on. Crystal Palace fan. So some of the scenes took place at Palace, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. We got to play at Selhurst Park. How crazy is that? Well, so before I make your head big, please could you? Uh, I mean, I admire you a great deal, but I'm already jealous of you. The fact that you played <laughs> at Selhurst Park. I mean, we barely got to play at Selhurst Park. I mean, that's that's what they said to us. They were like, oh, some of the football scenes are going to be done at Selhurst Park. So everybody got super excited. We went to Selhurst Park now. And, you know, we got there and they were like, all right, cool. You can be on the pitch, but you can't run on the pitch. You can't do any slide, t- like you can't do anything. We could basically just like walk on the pitch, do like the opening greeting thing, like say hi to the fans that, that we had hired. And then I took one fake penalty and then, and then, we, and then we left. That was it. So can you... See, I'm surprised at that because I, I I don't know why I just would have thought that have said yeah fill your boots. What, why were they so uh, strict in that regard? Because like we if we were playing, we just like ruined the pitch. I guess I think it was like more from like a actual maintenance of the grass type thing. So um, yeah, they just wanted to really protect the pitch because um, I think the season was still on at that point, so they still ah. had games to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we couldn't like fully just you know have a kickabout. It was still cool to be there though. Are you, are you a football fan yourself? I am a football fan. I'm going to break your heart when I tell you I'm a Man United fan, even though I live in London. I'm from South London. <laughs> Mate, I would say that you've got a lot in common with a lot of Man United fans there. You know what? Man United fans get a lot of grief. 
Gallo grief. I feel like seeing as we're weathering this rough patch, the whole thing of being glory glory hunters kind of goes out the window now, doesn't it? I've got to say, so I, one of my all-time heroes is, and I'm sort of almost obsessed with him, is Sir Alex Ferguson. So I've yeah. read... I've read books about him. I've read the three books that he's written. There's that documentary. I watched that. I just, I just think he's such a remarkable guy. But as much as I admire Man United and as much as I admire Ferguson and some, you know, some of the players down there, Mark Hughes is someone, you know, I, I probably think about Mark Hughes most days. I, 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 lo- I love so much about them. But I'll be honest with you, I'm really enjoying the fact that you're having a tough time of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people are. And, and you know what? We deserve it. Like, we actually do kind of deserve it. Now, there was a point where I was like, it's kind of unfair to be a Man United fan. Like, we were just winning too much. And so I'm like, we needed this. I think I needed the test as well. Because it got to a point I was like, look, man, am I a glory hunter? Am I only supporting them because we're winning? And now I'm like, I know we're not. We've had a drought, an absolute disaster drought. But um, yeah, we're coming back, man. Do you think, do you think Ole's, Ole's the guy? It'd be interesting to get a... I'm not, if I'm honest with you... As much as I, you know, again, I love him and that 99 final was, you know, like nothing any of us will ever see, you know, it was yeah. remarkable. Hand on heart, I, I don't, I just don't think he's the, you know, Manchester United is obviously one of the greatest, not just football teams in history, one of the greatest teams in the history of sport. And therefore you deserve one of the greatest managers, you know, and, and for, there was something magical about Fergie. And, you know, we all, we all, you know, the neutral Loves Ollie. Mm. Is he the guy to be in charge of Man United? I, I, no, I don't think so. I guess. I guess time will tell. We'll see. I, I say we give him a couple of seasons. I'm interested to see what you can do with like this new young batch of players that he's getting. In. If we get Jaden Sancho, I'm going to explode. We need that. That that kid is insane, and so is Greenwood. Like, think about some of the young players oh that we've gosh. got at that team coming through. Mason Greenwood is scary. He's scary. Like he's just unreal. He's like a young vampire. He literally reminds me of Van Persie. It's incredible. Um, but yeah, I think I think yeah, I say we give Oli a couple a couple more seasons, see how he does. Um, yeah, I'm feeling him, man. I'm feeling him. He has good spells. You see, I, I think with Marco Van Basten, I always thought if you could build a, a, a perfect striker in a lab, it'd be, it would be Marco Van Basten. And mm. the thing with Greenwood is he he gives me that same sort of feeling. If if I could create my dream footballer, it would yeah. it would probably be Greenwood. You know, <laughs> that's dope, man. Kid's gonna be he's gonna be good in the future, man. He is. He, um, yeah, he, he absolutely is. I mean, do you, th- do you think Ollie's the man? Um, I don't know. Like, you always want to go for a more exciting, you know, manager. Like, you, I remember when, you know, we were in talks of getting Zidane. Like, even when Pep was, was about to leave and, and he was deciding between City and United, like, you kind of want a superstar. That's why, you know, like, even when Mourinho came through, I was like, oh, cool. Like, this is, this is a superstar. Like, somebody who's done it, he's proven it. Like, we don't... Man United isn't really a team like when Ferguson came, that can invest in a young new manager who hasn't really done this before, I don't think. But since he's been here, you know, like he'll have incredible stretches where we're playing great football, back to the, you know, the glory days, we're playing attacking football where we're hitting people on the counter-attack, like we can score goals, we can out- outscore teams. And then we'll just start slipping up. Like, it's, I don't know what it is. And I feel like it's those moments where you need a manager that the, that the boys are kind of terrified of. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like somebody who can really get the team together. And sometimes I feel like we don't have that. Like, remember when he first came and, and everyone was like, oh yeah, you know, the boys have got smiles on their faces again and blah, blah, blah. Like, I think maybe it's a bit too much of that. I don't know. But, um, but then he has great spells. Like we, we go like for huge, huge stretches un- unbeaten. And I'm like he can do it because we are playing great football, but it's about, I think it's the longevity thing and it's also the winning mentality thing. And has he got it? I don't know. I say we give him a couple more seasons. I, I, I totally agree. Um, I absolutely agree. So there's so much to admire about that uh, amazing club. Now, speaking of admiration, uh, you know, Fergie's a hero of football. Jason Sudeikis is a, a hero of, of comedy. Yeah. Uh, how is it working with that guy? Unreal. It was actually unbelievable. There were some scenes we did where, you know, this guy's done Saturday Night Live for, for years and years and years. Like, he's got a wealth of experience in comedy. I was sat there watching him and Brendan Hunt, uh, who plays Coach Beard, his, his um, second in command, and they are just improvising and they're riffing off each other and they're doing stuff. And I'm like, I should be paying to watch this. Like, this isn't something I should, I, I shouldn't be getting paid to sit here and watch them do the things that they're doing. It's unbelievable to see someone who's fully in their power just do their thing. It was great. Like there were times where I was like, I felt like a little kid. I was like, I can't believe that I'm watching some of the greats do their thing in my face right now and I'm acting opposite them. It's unreal. 
And he's also just one of the kindest people I've ever met in, in the job. Like he's so, so nice. I remember the first day on set, we came in and he just, he went up to every single person there and was just like, thank you for being here. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for doing this. That's cast, that's crew, that's supporting artists. That's everybody, everybody who was on that job. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. I was just like, that's, yeah, that's what I want to be like when I'm, when I'm old and, and jaded. <laughs> but the thing is, I hear things like that and it's so inspiring because then, obviously, that's going to stay with you. It's going to stay with me. Because you think if someone like Jason Sudeikis, who was as part of that, what many feel was that golden age of SNL, when the, you know, yeah. the show was arguably at, at its absolute... I know some SNL uh, aficionados would... But you know what I mean? It was, yeah, it was such yeah, yeah. peak years there. And so if someone like that, who is such a, an icon, can be lovely to everyone and know everyone's name, then it inspires all of us, doesn't it? 100%. I'm like, well, then... It's not, it's not about like the fame thing or the status thing or anything. Like just be a good person. Like if you're a good person, you're a good person. Just be nice. You lose nothing by doing that. And so, yeah, you're completely right. It makes me feel like, you know, I can get to, you know, if I ever get to that stage of my career where I'm, I'm that good at what I do and I'm that renowned and all of that stuff, like I can still just be a regular guy, which he is. He's just a regular guy that likes Jordans just like me. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's really cool, man. I mean, my friend, I would say that you are there already and I know someone else who would agree with me. Get ready for this. Here we go. Brett Goldstein. <laughs> strap in. Go Listener, strap in for this. Quote, the greatest actor and man I know. <laughs> oh, Brett. Brett's so cheesy, man. <laughs> he's, he's honestly, honestly, quickly becoming one of my closest friends. Uh, we met doing Ted Lasso. Uh, we acted opposite each other. And he's just the most supportive guy. The most supportive guy that I've that I've run into at work. And we still message each other now. We still play FIFA. He's really bad at it. I destroy him a lot. But he's there just to, you know, just to talk in the party chat. And um, oh, he's just brilliant, man. I love that guy so, so much. So, so much. Um, I think, wait, I messaged him about you this morning. Let me see if I can, if I can give you one back. Prepare for this, <laughs> listener. Um... You're doing it with my friend James Gill. Yeah. Balance podcast, balance podcast. The best MC in the whole country. He does the best comedy night in the UK. Nice man. You'll love him. It's, it's funny that because sometimes, because uh, I'm an MC, I've had people come up to me and they think that I'm a, a, a rapper. <laughs> and I'm always like, no, no, no. <laughs> They're like, drop a quick 16. You're like, no, no, I'm happy. I don't do that. Imagine that, though. You know, in a club, someone hands you a microphone. Go on, then. Oh, no. There's been a terrible misunderstanding. So, sorry, everyone. Um, oh, dude. <laughs> you know, people looking at me. Really? You? No, no, no. Um, yeah, that's, that's, very, that's very kind of... He's, he's, always oh, been, he's always been very supportive as Brett. But I'll tell you what, mate. That's just, that is just the opener for you. Uh, oh, this, yeah. uh, this, is, this is a beauty. Get ready. Okay. Uh, and the thing is, though, having watched you, and this isn't a, a slight on Brett, but but what he's about to say, I, I know what he means here. I'm embarrassed to be in a show with him. He's different class. Oh. That's nice. Oh, Brett. No, obviously, I can't. Obviously, Brett, you know, Brett's wonderful. But in terms of different class, and, and again, this is just more huge compliments coming your way. Um, what I would love to know is, when did you, what was the moment where you realised, oh, actually, I'm... I've got I've got something here with with acting. Um, I think at school I had very 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 good teachers. Secondary school and um, and then sixth form I had very good teachers. And so I think it was it was uh, first it was them going. You know what? Like you're well, you actually care and pay attention. And like unlike everybody else in the drama class, is just kind of doing it to have fun. Like you really could do this, and you could have a career in this. And so after having that conversation, I was like, oh yeah, you know, maybe I could do this. And so then it was about getting into drama school. And, you know, there's always that thing that I still even have now where, you know, you go, okay, cool. When I get into drama school, I'll know I'm a good actor because, you know, so, so few people get in and so many people apply, blah, blah. It's like 2,500 applications for 26 places, 5,000 at some schools for 26 places. I'm like, once I get into drama school, I'll know I'm a good actor. And then you get into drama school and then you're like, oh, well, everybody gets into drama school. So, you know, once I get into third year and I get a lead role or I get an agent, I know I'm a good actor. And then you do that. Oh, well, everybody gets an agent, blah, blah, blah. And then you, when I get my first job, you get your first job. When I get my first lead role, you get your first lead role. And it's just an ongoing thing. But I think it was partly that conversation that I had with one of my teachers uh, in particular from school. 
who who was just like, you can do this. I think you're very special. And I think you have a talent here. Go for it. And then when I got that phone call saying I'd go into my first drama school, I was like, all right, cool. Like, I think I think I, I think I can do this. And I think I got it. So, um, so yeah, I think a mix of those two when I was like 17, 18. So, mate, so wonderful to, to hear that. Um, I've, I've read interviews with you. I've watched interviews with you. And given how much you've achieved in a relatively... Mate, I'm, I'm going to go full Lionel Messi on this. <laughs> given, what you, given what you achieved in such a short space of time, how I would love to know, because I just can't even begin to relate to it, how, how have you remained so wonderfully grounded? What's the, what's the secret there? Uh, parents good parents my, my like I would I can tell my dad anything I could literally walk downstairs to my dad and tell him I'd won an Oscar and he'll go that's good that's it that's it I'm like it's nothing surprises them nothing is that big a deal to them like my mom blows up but like just <laughs> my dad's reaction to anything that I do is just mm, that's good I'm just like oh well oh it is what it is but then also I'm just kind of I know like I've, I know the feeling of of looking up to people and being like, oh, you're a you're a Lionel Messi, like you know what I mean? You're just insanely talented, and I've never seen myself like that. I don't think I am. I think I just work really hard, and that's pretty much it. And I think there's also just you know that part in everybody's head, you know, especially if you're like young and and um, like I, I I don't know anybody who's done the things that I've done. Like I never knew any actors growing up apart from the friends that I made when I started acting myself. So there's still a little part of me that's like this. All of this can stop at any point. And so, so yeah, I'm just going to keep hustling, keep working hard and keep doing my thing. And that's really all there is to it. Like, I don't think I'm supremely talented. I think I just work very hard. And so, um, so yeah. Who were, in terms of acting, who were your Lionel Messi's growing up? Who were, you know, who were your heroes? Oh, um, I grew up watching Fresh Prince, like Will Smith can do anything for me. And then like, even like Pursuit of Happiness and stuff, Will Smith can do anything for me. Denzel Washington can do anything for me. Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor was another like really close one for me because you know he is Nigerian he grew up in London and I saw him at the Young Vic when I was like 16 uh, in a play and uh and I was like that's it that's what I want to do I want to be like him and you know I just like watch Google videos of him like there was there was a video of him doing a, a Hamlet speech sorry I have no idea what just happened uh my my computer just shut down <laughs> I have no idea why Man, that was that. I, I thought I was in uh, some sort of twilight. Is that because I've got I've got double to heave there? Oh, so am I still in it? No, no. It's on, my, it, oh. the, the screen was still on and was still frozen, and now it's just gone. Oh, okay. Yeah, my computer just like informed me that it was shutting down in three seconds, and I was like, okay, cool, great, thank you. That was um, an incredible recovery. Oh yeah, I've got my phone. I've got my phone right. Great next save. Thank you. Thank you. They, I mean, that was David De Gea. <laughs> Um, Sorry, yeah, so you said uh, Hamlet video with Chiwetel? Yeah, I, I, there's a video of him that's probably still on YouTube of him doing, um, uh, doing a Hamlet speech. And I watched that video. I've watched that video so many times now that, um, that I could probably, you know, do it exactly how he does it, word for word. And I, I remember doing that and going, okay, I want to go into, I want to go to drama school and I want to, I want to be able to do Shakespeare the way he does Shakespeare. And, you know, he does that. He's, he does plays at the Young Vic. He does Hollywood films. Like, do you know what I mean? He's done Kinky Boots. Like, he, he's, in my head, I was like, he can do anything and everything. And so he was one of the actors that, that I looked up to as well. Um, so, yeah, a real, those, those, were, those were three of the people that, that I think back to. And, and I go, yeah, like, you, 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 if I meet you in real life, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick out. And it's only now that you say that, that the penny drops, <laughs> even though it, it should have been obvious to me. But it, it does appear that you are, I guess, deliberately doing that where you're, even though you've only been going a, a relatively short space of time, you're deliberately mixing things up. So, you, you know, you, you, you know, the, there's the, the feed, there's, there's Anthony, there's, there's Ted Lasso. These are all wildly different projects, aren't they? Yeah, 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 they are. They are. Um, uh, I mean, apart from the, the feed and uh london kills which is another very uh small part that i had um in the last year doing ted lasso and then anthony and then going on to do the power i was like those are three jobs and i haven't done my own accent like in, in any of them like you know what oh i mean so I, like you know what i mean i've been nigerian i've been partly and i've been nigerian again like ted lasso's a comedy um anthony's a is a it's a biopic or a semi-biopic 
um, and and the powers of the sci-fi feminist drama where I'm a Nigerian again. And I'm just kind of like, I've been super lucky that I've been able to dip my toes in so many different things. Because, you know, at this stage, at this stage of my career, I'm still an actor that like gets a script through I audition and hopefully if I'm if I'm cast that like I'd, I can't really choose the opportunities that I get I just kind of have to audition and hope for the best so um, I think I've been really lucky that I've been able to straddle so many things and um, yeah theatre is another thing that I want to go into I haven't really had as much opportunities to do as yet in London I've done one play in Sheffield which was a Shakespeare which was really dope but, um, but yeah so I think doing a play in, in London is is the next thing for me. So you know, I know with Anthony and, and, and reading the, the the interviews with not just yourself but the, the people involved and the, the role. I mean, we'll get to Anthony in a bit, but the role that uh, that program, the impact it can have on society. Now you mentioned Fresh Prince, and I'm not being glib here. I, I feel so passionately about that show, and the I just think the impact that that show must have had, not just in America, but I really feel it in this country in terms of. People from all sorts of backgrounds. I'm not I'm really choking. I, I, I love the Fresh Prince so much, but I, ju- I just think that the positive impact that show had by seeing this diverse cast on our screens. You know, it wasn't just a big show; it was a show that had such an impact on on people who who loved it. Um, do, do you do you also feel that with that show? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I have like I personally love the Fresh Prince, but like. I have friends that that you know go. Uncle Phil is like my dad. Like that's that's the fa- that's the father figure in my life. And I think you know shows like The Fresh Prince, shows like My Wife and Kids. Growing up as a young black kid in in the Western world, wherever, like you you just watch these shows and you go, oh cool, like my family's like that. Like you you see yourself represented on TV in such a way, and it's joyous. Like there are so many shows that you watch where you see black people and and you know like you're watching a, a slave movie or you're watching roots and these are important stories that need to be told but sometimes it's just dope to see black like uh, uncle phil's a lawyer he lives in bel-air he's got a massive house his kids are super smart and brainy and rich and you know will's dope he's got fresh clothes a sick haircut and he's super funny and he gets girls and it's just it's just good to see that as well like, you know what i mean just to be uplifted by that i can come home from school after being shouted at by teachers and, and, and just, and just watch Will Smith dance some goofy dances. And that's cool. And I mean, I think that's also just part of um, what I want to do as well. Like in the power I'm playing Tunde, who's a Nigerian, who's super rich. He's very intelligent. He's a journalist. Like he's charismatic. He's charming. Like he gets girls and like he wears dope clothes. I've got fresh Jordans on. Like I think, there's something really sick in seeing that as well. Like being a young person, just looking up and going, okay, cool. That's, that's what it is as well. Like when I was a kid, I, like I remember you would say Nigerian and all you would think is UK border force. And so now I want, you know, kids to maybe watch the power and, and see and hear the word Nigerian and think Tunde in the power or Wizkid or Burner Boy or Anthony Joshua. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I think the, the shows like that were huge for representation man, when I was a kid. I mean, it was just a few nights ago, I, I rewatched the scene. You know the scene I'm going to say. If You know the scene I'm going to say. It's where Uncle Phil tells Will about, oh God, I'm going to go here. But he tells him about, about his dad. You know, you know, yeah. the, you know I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the acting from the two of them in that is uh, so special, isn't it? I've always wanted to do stuff. Like, like, I remember watching that and going, oh, I want to do something like that, man. Like, again, just to see people completely in their power you know, like the will, like not quite yet at the peak of his career, but like James Avery, like it was just, I, I watched that and I was like, oh man, I, I, those, there's levels to this. There's levels to this. And I want to get to that level. I want to do something like that. I want to do a show that means so much to me that I can reach that place emotionally and I can go there. And that, like, that's how so many kids watching The Fresh Prince felt. Like, um, like I had my dad at home, so it wasn't quite the same for me, but I had friends who didn't. And they would watch that scene and they'd be like, yeah, that's how I feel, man. Like, do you know what I mean? That's, it's just about representation. And like, I think for, for a lot of young black kids in, in the UK and in the US, I imagine like Fresh Prince was it. Fresh Prince was it. Like it really just captured the experience and, and it showed it back to us on screen and we got to laugh and we got to cry our way through it. It's sick, man. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm well aware this isn't the Fresh Prince podcast, but I could, in my, I'm, I'm so close to quoting swathes of, di- of dialogue, you know. <laughs> um, it, yeah, everything about it was, was, was wonderful. One thing I didn't ask was, because um, I know about Ted Lasso, but obviously our, our listeners may not. Can you just yeah. share what the what the show is about? Because it's, 
I, I'm not just saying this because I'm a fan of yours and a fan of Brett's, but I, I, I can't wait for this show. It's going to be, it's going to be really cool. So it's, um, Ted Lasso is an American football coach. So like, you know, American football, like closer to rugby in, in, in our country. He's an American football coach who is hired by a struggling Premier League team to be their manager. And um, it's just, you know, he's completely out of his depth in, in terms of like British football and, and, and just like life in, in England in general. And it's about how he goes on to manage this team, how he affects. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Actively avoids complete and total disaster and and his relationship with the players like we we lose experience like he, this guy doesn't really know what he's doing and he doesn't really know how to coach Premier League football but um, he knows how to manage people and he knows how to get people to do their best so my character for instance Sam Obisanya who's a right back from Nigeria 20 um, year old right back from Nigeria comes into this team and he's missing home he's a good footballer but he's not quite playing his best football and all it takes is for is for Ted to to see that realize that he's a young kid who's missing home and and there are just like a few gestures that he does that gets him back to playing his best football. And then he goes from being a struggling right back to now a superstar right winger, who is uh, the best player on the team. I'm not biased in saying that. He is genuinely very, very, very sick. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's just about, yeah, it's about that. It's about the relationship between um, a coach and a manager. It mimics the father-son relationship. And it's about a man who should be completely out of his depth, somehow managing to, to survive in in what can be a very hostile world, like managing a Premier League club. Can you imagine? I can't. I mean, no. I mean, the whole thing with management is you, it's just such a thankless task, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. And especially British, like British, the, the way that fans respond to him in the show is hilarious. Like people are just screaming, like, I, I don't know what I can and can't say. Can I say the, the W word? Say whatever you like. Oh, really? We were just calling him a wanker the entire time. And I'm just like, that's it. That's what you're going to get. You're going to get called a wanker by people in pubs, people on the street, thousands of fans. That was one of the things that we did at Selhurst Park, actually. We had so many essays just like fill up a quarter of the stadium and just scream, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. I was just like, I wouldn't want to be that guy. I mean, there's that Sunderland documentary, you know, Chris Coleman, who seems a, a lovely bloke, but there's a scene where he's, he leaves the stadium to get into his car and someone's waited for him in the car park just to hurl abuse at him. And you just think, no, thank you. I, I wouldn't know, man. I wouldn't want it. I'm good with FIFA. I'll play career mode. I'll win the Champions League and the Premier League and everything else. And I'm good with that. I'm good with that. He wouldn't want to be a manager, man. But, no. But does. And he, he, does, he does pretty well. I mean, depending on what you define as success. He, he, he <laughs> um, I mean, crikey, in, in terms of success... Uh, I mean, you, but you're associated with with uh, a show that you know transcends television. It was it's one of those that uh, you you know you know you know. I was feel like with the Chris Nolan film. I know within the first thirty seconds that I'm in the presence of greatness. And, and with with Anthony, it was that same. It was that similar feeling. 
almost as soon as it started, you just knew, right, okay, this is this is special territory. Um, can you just say a little bit about how that came about? Because I, I didn't realise this until I'd done my research that Anthony's mum had actually, she'd actually approached Jimmy McGovern, hadn't she? Yeah, so uh, Jimmy, Jimmy McGovern, the writer, and G. Walker, Anthony's mum, uh, had a really close relationship. <clears throat> so Jimmy would go and speak to G whenever he wanted to write about loss or about, um, you know, like any of those really deep and sensitive emotions that G had obviously felt because of her situation with Anthony. And so that relation, that relationship was that. And it was, you know, a sort of one way thing of G going to uh, Jimmy going to G to, to ask about her and her experiences. And then one day G went to Jimmy and said, OK, cool, it's, it's my turn now. And I want to I want to tell Anthony's story. And Jimmy said, you know, he always says in Merseyside, nobody says no to Chief Walker. So he said, um, and I think I can quote this, that he felt he had a God-given uh, responsibility to, to to say yes and to tell the story. Um, so that's how it came about. And then um, it, luckily the show coincides with uh, the 15th anniversary of Anthony's Anthony's death. So that's today. So today's the, yeah, to this day, 15 years ago, Anthony Walker passed, uh, rest in peace. Um, and then, yeah, after that, the, they wrote it. They, Jimmy made the story happen. He did it backwards. So the way the story, for, for those who haven't seen it, it's it starts, Anthony passed away when he was 18. The show starts when he's 25. It works backwards, imagining the life he would have lived had he not passed at 18. And um, and yeah, it's, it's a brilliant show, I think. I think it's probably going to be the most special show I've ever done. I don't think I'll ever be able to top a show like that in my career i'm so lucky and happy that i got to do a show like this right at the start because it just kind of puts everything in perspective now like it gives all the other jobs i'll do a bar and um i don't think they'll ever i don't think anything i'll do will ever surpass that bar like this is it's changed me as a person i think it's really rooted in me what i wanted to do when i like becoming an actor i wanted to tell stories like this and i wanted to impact people and i wanted to to yeah educate and tell stories that are really close to my heart and this is one of them how do you I mean I don't even you know I don't know how to ask this but how on earth do you go about getting into that role because you're, you're such a chameleon I'm talking to you now and you, you know everything about you is different to your portray. obviously when I interview some people and they're not a million miles away from the person that they're playing yeah but like your hot everything about you your even the, even the your, your your posture the way you look you've you you've mm-hmm. completely transformed yourself how did you go about that with with this particular role um i think the first thing was the accent like i'm i'm not from liverpool as you can probably tell listeners um i'm not from liverpool and so the main thing was was the accent uh nailing the accent was super tough but luckily i have um really close one of my really close friends ellis howard is from liverpool and so i just grabbed him and i was like yo bro say this word say this word say this word say this sentence and I just like did that and repeated and blah 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 blah. um I had you know help from him I had an accent coach and and so yeah the voice was was one very specific thing I remember Colin Colin one of the producers came up to me after the read-through and he was like if you get it wrong I'll murder you and so so yeah that was all that was all the incentive I needed um so that was that was the main thing but then also Jimmy's script is so brilliant that uh Anthony's charisma his humor his charm all of his like key characteristics shone through the script. And so, um, especially because for the most part, I'm playing scenes that Anthony didn't get to live. I could just be an actor and root myself in the script and dig out for, like dig for all the clues that, that Jimmy had left. And so I think a lot of it I'd attribute to, to Jimmy's script and, you know, to the conversations that I had with, with G. She spoke to me so uh, candidly about Anthony, about what he was like, about how he made people feel, about, and it was just like the key things that I wanted to to show back on screen. Like, I think he was one of those people that if you met him, you would smile. And when you think about him, you would smile. And so uh, I hope now that people like pe- people who have watched the show, maybe think Anthony Walker and, and think dance moves at a, at, a, at a wedding reception or, you know, just being silly on a train or like, like just his relationship with his sisters. I think, yeah, it's, it was, yeah, I'd, I'd say the script conversations with G and, um, yeah, also just being a young black man myself, like a lot of the culture is the same. And so I kind of, I get the humor and I get his aspirations. I get the things that worry him um, because they're so similar with my life. And also it's a story that's really close to my heart. So I just, yeah, again, as I said, like I, I think I can 
Um, I may not be like the most talented person I, I know. I definitely am not the most talented person I know, but you know, like I work super hard. And so it was just a combination of all of that thing, all of those things working super hard. And I think, yeah, that's what gave, that's what gave us the character. There was a, there was a steel there. There was a toughness there, but there was also a great tenderness. I mean, I, I, you can tell I'm an emotional chap, but I mean, the, the scene with, the scene with the mom when she says, were you yourself? I mean, mm. I mean, I, that, I was, I was, I was good night again with, with that scene. Yeah. It was really beautiful, yeah. wasn't it? it? It was, yeah, that's one of my favourite scenes in the whole thing. Because it's, that's a real moment. I've had that moment with my mum. I remember when um, I auditioned for one drama school that I really definitely wanted to go to. And I didn't get in. That was the first drama school that, I, that told me no. I didn't get in. And the letter came through on my birthday. And my mum hid it from me. And then the next day, she told me, she was like, look, I got this letter, unfortunately, like you didn't get into the school. And I just sobbed. And we had that moment, that same moment we had. Like, it's just, you know, like there's something about your, like in that scene, G comes in to Anthony's room. Her son is upset. And she encourages him. She supports him. And she distracts him. She makes him laugh. She does all of that, all in like a 30 second scene and then walks back out. And that's it. Suddenly your son feels better. And I've had that moment in real life. I think it's so brilliant. Jimmy nailed it with that, with that scene, I think. And with so many of the other scenes in the show. Um, and also I got to work with Reiki, who is unbelievable. How good is Reiki in that show? She is so, so, so brilliant. If you haven't seen it, honestly, you have to watch it. Just watch it for Reiki. Um, and, and obviously the story. But Reiki is so, so good. Getting to work with her, like that, that was one of the, you know, the main scenes that I got to do with Reiki and I just, yeah, again, it was another masterclass. I was like, all right, cool. I'm working with someone who's fully in her power. There we go. I, I, again, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything because there, so, there are some, you know, such beautiful and, and, and memorable and there's, you know, some great moments of, of lightness as well, but how just, how emotional was it m- making it? Because, because it's such an unusual idea that's so perfectly executed, um, how how was it day to day on set? Um, it's it's tough because so many of the scenes I I was doing were really joyous scenes. Like I was playing out some of the happiest moments in somebody's life. His wedding, having having a baby, you know, like proposing to your scene. wife. Yeah, like I I was playing out so many of the more joy, joyous moments in somebody's life. So um, it, I wasn't always aware of it like of course in the back of my head I knew what story we were telling but then it was the days where we would film like the reverse so like right at the end you start to see Anthony being taken out of these scenes and it's like what would have actually happened so his wife walking home by herself because she never met Anthony like it was it was that was the first scene that we had to do where I would step out and Julia who plays Catherine uh, Anthony's wife in the show would just do the exact same thing but without me and I was like oh god this is this is crazy. But then, you know, like there would be some days where G would walk in on set and, and she'd be there and we'd be, and you know, one moment in particular was on the, on the wedding day. And she came up to me and she said, this is what my son would have looked like had he got married. And we hugged and it was so emotional. But I think for me, a lot of it was about just holding all of that in, doing the job that I needed to do. And I think funnily enough, now is when I find it more emotional. So doing my first few interviews, like I'd come off the, the Zoom call or the phone and I just sobbed my eyes out. And yeah. I think I just had to hold all of that in and get on with the job and do the job and do the job and do the job and kind of forget about the responsibility, forget about the weight, forget how sensitive and special the story is just to do the job. And I think now reflecting back, I can kind of go, it was it was really tough, man. It was really tough. Like, I'm, like I had to play out somebody's fire and in the back I'm all had I been born at a different time in Liverpool at that bus stop that could have been me it's it's crazy man. like it is oh man so 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 um it's tough it's really tough but every time I think about how um how tough I'm finding something I always think G Walker's been doing this for 15 years 15 whole years doing more interviews than I've had to do a lot more than I've had to do and she's here still Tahib
Sorry, my connection's really bad. No, Hello. You're all right. Yeah, sorry, keeps cutting out. Um, but I'm closer to the to the route. Um, but yeah, every time I think it's it's super tough for me, I, I remember that G Walker's been doing this for a lot longer than I have, and she's still doing this. I spoke to her yesterday, and she said, you know, sometimes I just want to retire, um, but I feel like I have this cross to bear, uh, to bear, and I wonder when I can put this cross down. But she told me she got a call from her her niece who said, "Thank you for doing this." and um, you're making the world a better place for me. And she goes, I have to carry on doing the work that I do. And and I think for me, it's just about jumping on board and going, all right, cool, I'm going to try and take some of that burden off your hands. And in my own little way, I'm going to try and do some of that work for you. She is unbelievable. She is an unbelievable, unbelievable woman. You know, and also the, the, the fact is, you know, we talked about the Fresh Prince there, which was made, you know, what I'm guessing, what, 20 odd years ago and the impact that has. This is a BBC One show it's it's available to iPlayer. The reason why I say that is because millions of people can access this, and the impact that this show will have it, it cannot be understated, can it? Um, it can't. I've I've had so many people message me who have had different responses to it, and and again, you're just reminded, like you can, especially when the Black Lives Matter thing, the, this new wave of the Black Lives Matter movement started um, a couple of months ago. I was like, why am I not a, a civil rights lawyer? Why am I not, you know, even in the midst of the of the pandemic, why am I not uh, an NHS worker? Why don't I, you know, like, sometimes you feel like you need to do more immediate things to affect and, and, uh, and offer a solution to a problem. But then it's times like this that you go, actually art serves a purpose as well. There's something in that too. Like you can everybody's been cooped up in their houses during this uh, coronavirus outbreak and, and people are watching TV more than they, they would normally. Like people are watching comedies to distract themselves. You need that. And in the same way with, with race, like sometimes it isn't just about changing laws. Sometimes it's about getting people to watch a piece of television and understand how they, they could be doing some of those things they see on TV themselves. Sometimes it's about seeing somebody that you like you people who live in other places that aren't so uh, diverse who don't see black or brown people or, or minority ethnic people on in their day-to-day lives. Like you watch something like Fresh Prince or maybe you watch Anthony and you go, Oh cool. That reminds me of, of my, my cousin or my niece or my nephew or my son or, or my dad or my mom. And suddenly you see this person that you've always for some whatever reason viewed as other and you see them going through the same things that you go through, struggling with the same things that you struggle with and you go, Oh, they're just like me. And so now maybe you lose a bit of those like preconceptions. And so, so yeah, I think it reminds me of the power that art has in whatever form, be it music, be it TV, be it theater, be it comedy. We can change people and we can affect so many people. The amount of people that have watched this, like, you know, our viewers probably beat like parliament debates. Do you know what I mean? So you always, you always think, oh, I need to do something immediately. But art is, is a different way to, to address a problem and, and it's just as important. Um, I know you've been stupendously uh, generous with, with your time. May I ask what, what you have? Now, obviously, I know <laughs> I know lockdown has played played a part for a lot of actors uh, yeah. and has limited uh, what, you know what what people are able to do. But can you share what what you have coming up, perhaps, please, Tahib? Um, so, Ted Lasso is coming out on the fourteenth of August on Apple TV. Uh, it's going to be hilarious. It's going to be a, a, a fun comedy. It's made by the same people that made Scrubs. So um, if you if you liked that, I think you're going to like this. Oh, funnily enough, Zach Braff directed uh, episode two. So I got to meet him, which was insane. He's one of my like, favorite people ever. And he's really cool. So um, so yeah, Ted Lasso is coming out on August the 15th. Brett Goldstein is also in that. He's great. And then um, The Power... The Power is um, a TV show for uh, Amazon Prime that's based on the, a book by the same name by a lady called Naomi Alderman. And it's a feminist sci-fi um, drama that's set in a world where women everywhere suddenly unlock the ability to, uh, to electrocute people. They just have like electric powers. Um, so yeah, that show is going to be crazy. We haven't finished filming it yet, but it's going to be out soon. Keep your ears and eyes peeled. And, um, and yeah, those are the two things that I've got coming up at the moment. I can't think of a power that my wife would like to have more. Than to be able to electric. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Like, how do you oppress a group of women who could blow cars up? Come on. <laughs> I'd like to see you try. Um, so yeah, that's, that show's going to be great. Like, I, every time I say that to somebody, like, like when I, 
whenever I'm speaking, if I'm doing an interview with a woman, they go, oh God, wouldn't I love to have that? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's going to be a good show. It's going to be a really cool show. Um, b- before you, may I ask, um, I think you probably touched on it with, with FIFA, but uh, what else do you do for, for balance? You know, you're obviously justifiably, uh, you know, one of the most in-demand young actors. So what, what do you do for, for balance? I play games. Me and my friends have uh, started, during quarantine, started a pro clubs team on FIFA. Do you know about pro clubs? I'm going I'm to share, this, this could be the end of a, 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 a beautiful friendship. I'm, <laughs> I'm a pro evolution soccer guy. You know what? You know what? I can't. I, I have. There's. I have respect for that. There's. Yeah. I can. I can feel that right? because I started off from pro. I feel like everybody made the switch to FIFA because FIFA just got that much better. But um, um pro is actually really good. I did get pro during quarantine as well. But I'm, I'm a FIFA man now. But we started a FIFA pro clubs team, and basically what that is is you. Um, we have a team. So there's 11 players. Everybody controls one player each. And so if there's five of us, the rest of the team is like comprised of CPU. And you basically play. You play games. You play 10, uh, 10 matches in one division. You start in Division 10. And if you win a certain amount of matches, you go all, all the way up to Division 1. And so we're now a Division 1 team playing against thousands of people online. And um, the aim is to win the Division 1 championship, which we haven't quite done yet because our team is very toxic. Like We have a lot of arguments. And, um, <laughs> I mean, people like, I'm like, just play right back, man. You're a right back. Why are you trying to play strike? Just, <laughs> you know what I mean, um, but so that's, that's literally what the most of my quarantine has been. That and reading. I'm reading a really good book at the moment called A Little Life. Um, and it's probably the best book I've ever read. Um, a Little Life. It's about four, four guys in New York uh, dealing with their like childhood traumas and uh, their aspirations for the future. And it's honestly brilliant if you if you want a book to read go and read a little life or read the power by naomi alderman both two very insane books written by two super powered women uh before we go you mentioned video games there yeah for me on, for me on lockdown so i i think i've mentioned this on this podcast before i get up before my two young kids i've got, I've got two young girls and i get up before them and i play pro evolution soccer for an hour before they wake up <laughs> the impact that's had on my mental health, genuinely, from from the start of lockdown up to now, I, I, I think video games are so important. If, if that's your it's thing, so so important, so important. If that's your thing, then yeah, one hundred percent. It's like me playing games at nine o'clock every day with Super Mario AFC. That's our pro club team, by the way. Like it, it's that that's the game. That's a game changer. That is a game changer when you're completely, you know, a little bit stressed out and a little bit overwhelmed with all the interviews and. And and like the subject matter that we're talking about, just going and and having a laugh with with you know like the guys on on pro clubs is just that's my reset. Like I go to sleep and then I'm back at zero and I'm and I'm ready to take on the next day. You really cannot under, like underestimate the impact that gaming has on on your mental health, man. Like it's it's just the best distraction. What like I can I'm a footballer for an hour and a half and I can just have fun with my friends. That's it. It's as simple as that. There's you know it's devoid of politics. It's devoid of all the other terrible things that are going on in the world. I'm just a footballer and that's it. And that's also what like Ted Lasso is like. You can watch that and yeah, you're just watching footballers be footballers and that's it. And, um, and yeah, it's brilliant, man. I think gaming is, gaming is sick. If I can, can I give a quick shout out to one of my Supermart FC boys? Um, Adrian, you are very, very terrible at clubs. Um, please never play attacking midfield for our team ever again. Thank you very much. Um, if you can go and follow Adrian on Instagram, message him that. Tell him he should never play cam for our team ever again. Thank you very much. Mate, I wish we could, I wish we could do that as a regular feature. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he's gonna love that. He's gonna love that. Uh, I, I cannot thank you enough for your time. That was such a such a thrill. And uh, just from the bottom of my heart, just thank you for everything. And uh, to anyone who hasn't seen Anthony. Uh, put an hour and a half aside one evening and uh, you know just to witness something uh, something really special oh thank you so much man that means the world you've been great I've really 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 enjoyed this podcast <laughs> it's been really cool bless you thank you so much thank you very much have a nice Take day care, mate. thank you huge thanks to Tahib and to the people who made it happen could not be more grateful once again if you, if you haven't seen Anthony please please do watch it and Ted Lasso, as Tahib says, is coming on to Apple TV. If you enjoyed the episode, please, uh, those of you who shared the Eddie Hearn episode, God bless you. 
Uh, we're across the socials at Balance LDN. I'm at James Gill Comedy. Um, I know some of you were at the show on Wednesday with uh, the Always Be the Always Be Comedy Show with Jason Manford and uh, Josh Whittacombe, Shappy Cassandy and Mark Oliver the other night. That was an absolute classic. So thank you very much to those of you guys. Um, hope you have a lovely week and uh, heartfelt thanks again to Tahib and the people who uh, who made it happen. I've been James Gill. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, ninety-six percent replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a thirty-night guarantee. Plus, get fifteen percent off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to eighty percent less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.